Welcome back, everyone, to the Practicology Podcast, and specifically to episode 145, in which we are considering a huge question. It's hard to think of a bigger one than this. Who should I marry? Yeah, it is a big question. Finding a marriage partner is a huge issue for many people. We have friends for whom their common cultural practice is for the parents to arrange, or sort of mostly arrange, a marriage partner for them. But for the vast majority of our listenership, Mike, I expect that isn't likely going to be their experience. Um, We're going to revisit that issue a little bit further on in today's episode because I'm not sure we are wise in shutting our parents out of the process as much as is common in our culture. So did your parents set you and Esther up on a date, Matthew? No. Esther was, uh, well, she was quite a bit younger than me at the time. Well, she still is quite a bit younger than me, I guess. But uh, so I, I doubt they'd really thought of her. But there was a phase when, when dad was making a few suggestions to me. I'd been moved out on my own for a bit, started my career, and I guess he thought it would be wise for me to have a wife, and I'm thankful for having a wife. I just wasn't quite ready for that step in that moment, so I did have to say to him, thanks, but please cool it on the suggestions, though I appreciated his concern. Well, I do think it's interesting, Matthew, that it's now that you're a parent that you're uh, maybe rethinking a little bit the parental involvement in these things. Exactly. So... Yeah, uh, we'll revisit that in a few minutes, how about? All right, sure. And something else we do need to revisit sometime soon, I hope, is uh, the fact that not everyone needs to get married, right? Definitely true. Singleness is certainly a legitimate way to live life and serve God, and we can do an episode on that soon too, like you say. Not everyone needs to get married. But marriage is good, and marriage is normal. At times, we can err by almost worshiping the ideal of marriage and the concept of family, but we can easily swing the other direction too and think that it's more spiritual to be single and that wanting to be married is a desire that needs to be mortified. No, marriage is good. Wanting to be married is normal. And the scriptures say in Proverbs 18.22, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Marriage is normal. Marriage is good. So it is good and right to make the issue of whom you should marry a regular matter of prayer. I think of Genesis 24, when Abraham sends his servant to obtain a wife for his son Isaac, the servant arrives in Aram Naharaim and he prays, Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, make this happen for me today. I'm standing here at the spring where the daughters of the men of town are coming, etc. He prayed. So let the value of prayer envelop all that we say today. But Mike, I thought it was interesting while I was thinking about that proverb that I just mentioned uh, a minute ago, Proverbs 18.22. While I was thinking about that proverb a few months ago, I got this automated email from Focus on the Family. And the subject line said, Don't believe the modern myth. Marriage remains good for men. There's a growing trend, they said, on both the left and the right that sees marriage in a negative light. Some claim that marriage is a harmful arrangement, particularly for men. But the goodness of marriage is well documented in studies, articles, books, and the research literature for decades. It's good for your health, wealth, and happiness, and it is a sacred gift from God. Proverbs 18.22, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Amen. Yeah, my eyes were opened a few years ago in reading a little bit on uh, some of the modern stats on marriage, and uh, I was just blown over by um, how 
how there's just so many uh, positive factors in many different areas, you know, e even financial and so on for, for marriage. So marriage is a good thing. And, and I no noticed you mentioned, you know, specifically men there, Matthew, that marriage is good for men. But uh, this is valid for women as well, right? Yeah, thank you. Yes, most of what I say today is good for women too. In fact, in Tremper Longman's book, How to Read Proverbs, he makes the point that most of the instruction to the son of Proverbs can be justly flipped around and given to a daughter. So it is good to find a wife. It is good to find a husband. Okay, well, I definitely do think we need to come back to the validity and, and the beauty of singleness as well. But I guess your point is that there are some cultural influences at work in society today that are contributing to people willfully delaying or, or even dismissing marriage, right? Yeah, and specifically contributing to men willfully delaying or dismissing marriage. And I want young men to remember that marriage is good. That's our first point today. Marriage is good. To forbid marriage is to espouse demonic teaching, 1 Timothy 4. But to find a wife, Proverbs 18, is to find good. And maybe it takes some work to find her. But she is well worth looking for. Who can find a wife of noble character, Proverbs 31? She is far more precious than jewels. Hmm. Yeah, those are great scriptures. And in fact, uh, on the day we record this, Matthew, just last night, I preached on that passage in 1 Timothy 4. And um, and yeah, just pointing out that the prohibition against marriage is actually sourced from hell. It's a demonic teaching. Mm -hmm. And when I think of cultural influences that are negatively impacting men, uh, I've shared this with you before, Matthew, I, I think of the culture's glorification of youth, how we hold up being young and staying young as, as this big ideal. And I think that that can contribute to a delayed maturity where we're actually um, not incentivizing uh, young men to grow up and instead there's almost uh, an, an ideal about just carrying on with a life very low in, in responsibility, uh, addicted to fun, addicted to gaming. We, as a society, we worship young athletes. We, we don't want to grow up. I mean, even uh, Disney's Peter Pan talks about, you know, never, never growing up, always staying young. Hmm. Yeah, and I would add to that the culture's radical feminism that says male leadership is toxic. Male leadership is not toxic. Toxic male leadership is toxic, but healthy, male, but healthy male leadership is healthy, and that comes with marriage as well. I would add another. It's not exclusive to men, but the culture's obsessions with self-pleasing, which may lead us to think, instead of viewing marriage as good and seeing the nobility of loving others self-sacrificially and caring and providing for them, Men may view marriage as something that is just restricting them, limiting them. They see its restrictions more than its blessings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's something related to that too. Uh, it's how the culture has enabled and glorified sex without commitment. But the truth is that while the culture teaches men to pursue multiple sex partners and to try and enjoy sex with no consequences, that's not even healthy for the men or the women who practice it. Yeah, that's a weakening of true manhood but marriage, on the other hand, is good for men, and it calls for a maturity of character. And I think that's what spiritual young women are looking for. Uh, men who are displaying some maturity, men who have some initiative, men who will be committed. Yeah, and as Mike and I are saying these things, we're certainly not trying to say that we are the perfect models of biblical manhood. Uh, please don't think that. I need to grow in maturity and responsibility as well. But 20 plus years of marriage has confirmed for me what the scriptures already said. 
finding a wife is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite at 20 years yet, but Helen and I have had 18 years of marriage together, and they've really made us appreciate the companionship and the support that marriage provides. So I wholeheartedly agree with your first point here, Matthew. Marriage is good. Secondly, then, when searching for a wife or husband, remember to value the right qualities. Now, listeners can go back to episode 131, where I talked with Justin Pratt and some things he gleaned from a book called Dating with Discernment, and he taught us a few things about assessing compatibility, so check that out. And there may be a little bit of rehashing in some of this material today. But I just want to appeal to young brothers and sisters who would like to have a marriage partner, value spiritual devotion, value godly character. Proverbs 12.4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a wife who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before you go further down that line, Matthew, if I could just back it up for a second and remind our listeners that Christians shouldn't be pursuing romantic relationships with unbelievers. And this is crystal clear in the scripture. We, we don't need to really pray about this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul instructs us that it is okay and it is good for us to marry, but we are to marry in the Lord. In other words, we're to marry another Christian. Thank you for clarifying that. In fact, that's another principle we can take from the story of Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis 24. Uh, Isaac is not asking whom I should marry, but Abraham is asking who should my son marry. And Abraham told his servant that it was essential that Isaac's wife be from Abraham's people. Don't take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but go to my land and my family to take a wife for my son Isaac. And beloved Christian listeners, your wife, your husband, should be from your family, your people, and I don't mean your ethnic people, but from among your brothers and sisters in the family of God, as Micah said. I think people should absolutely be open, just as I mentioned that, I think people should absolutely be open to marrying people of a different ethnicity or culture. And sure, there can sometimes be some different expectations of how marriage and family life are to work among different cultural backgrounds, but it's not usually insurmountable, something that should be discussed early on in a relationship or a prospective relationship anyway, uh, whether people are from a different culture or not. But ethnicity and skin color, that shouldn't be a perceived barrier to a relationship, but please make sure that they, like you, are one of God's people. And what you're saying in the second point, Matthew, is really an extension of that. Um, not only do you want a partner who is saved, but you, you want a partner who is of good Christian character. And I think this is where we do need to uh, just be being shaped by God's Word a lot. I mean, this goes back to last week's episode, but we need to be in the Word so that God's Word shapes us and, and shapes what's important to us as we look for a partner. Mm-hmm. So often, um, number one, maybe on, on the uh, qualifications list is is these ideal looks in a in a potential partner, but you know the famous words of Proverbs thirty one are famous for a reason. Uh, they're a lovely reminder. They say charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised, and a man who fears the Lord will be a blessing to you and your prospective future family far more than a perfect ten handsome hunk who is spiritually lazy or something like that. Yeah, so while we're on this issue of looking for the right characteristics, Mike, let me ask you, because I think Justin and I touched on this briefly in the episode I mentioned, but I'd like to know how you would answer the question um, as we're talking about searching for the right qualities and someone who fears the Lord. Should I date someone who isn't part of the same type of local church as me? 
Well, that's a hard question for me to answer, Matthew. Maybe some listeners are, are listening thinking, oh, Mike, that should be an easy one for you to answer. But, um, you know, I, I think I'd want to, to know specifics and what kind of differences and so on. But I would just say uh, it's it's an area where we where, where one would need to be very careful. Yeah, I mean, I think the church is a very important part of our lives. I know you think the same way. We've talked about this a lot in the past. And here, if a marriage is going to be two becoming one, their agreement on what church they're going to be a part of and how they're going to serve there, that's going to be a big part of that. So uh, I think it's pretty important to share convictions on something that is so important. I guess that's what I'm saying. Now, if, if you feel as a listener that then your pool is very limited locally because of your biblical convictions, I would encourage you to travel a little more broadly to conferences or other things if you're able or consider uh, making it known to an older brother or sister whom you trust somewhere else. Hey, do you know of someone where you are that may be a good option for me uh, for a spouse? I think that's an okay thing to do. Um, but it is biblical for the local church to be a focal point in your life. So you don't want to be divided on who your church family is, but perhaps you meet a solid Christian at school or online or at work and you're, you're wondering, is this an option or no? Well, I'd love it if you were so clear on your happiness in the church you're a part of and that church fellowship is so important to you and you would feel comfortable inviting that person to visit your local church. Sometimes people are quite surprised by what they see in a couple of visits to um, a local church. Sometimes uh, it could be pros, it could be cons, but what they think and say uh, about the church where you are, maybe that's part of your character assessment of them. Encourage them to make friends with people other than you in the church. Encourage them to make friends with people of their own gender in the church. And be patient. And if that other individual is happy to become part of the local church where you are, where you're fellowshipping, well, that's that's fantastic. But you need to be uber careful if you go down that path. I can think of two cases right offhand where I know that has worked out well. But it's very easy for people, unwittingly perhaps, to convey, oh yeah, everything's cool, yeah, this is great, I'm happy here, because they want to win you. And maybe deep down, it's not so cool in a time their true motives or convictions become clear. So I urge you to be careful because once your emotions are wrapped up in that person, even a little bit, it's so hard to be honest and, uh, and assess motives. But uh, there may be a future there for the two of you. So pray about it honestly and fervently. Uh, but think about this issue because alignment of values is essential. Yeah, and Matthew, the other side of that is... Um you know, you could be in a relationship with someone who is in the exact same fellowship as you. And so on, on the local church front, you know, everything's fine, right? But, but actually you are miles apart. You know, may, maybe he shows up, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. And deep down inside, there's, there's no aspiration really to live for the Lord while, while you're, um, you know, just, just passionate for, for living for the Lord and, and he isn't. So um, it's not like, all we have to do is, is say, well, we're both in the same kind of church, and so there we are. We're very compatible spiritually. Thank you. That's, uh, you know, there's hundreds of examples like that. Yeah, be careful not to view uh, church life as this something that is far higher than married life. Married life's a big thing in the Bible. It's a, it's a lovely picture of Christ and the church. A good marriage is a wonderful thing and a great way to honor the Lord. Mike, let me come back to something you said. You quoted those good words of Proverbs 31. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. 
So here we are talking about valuing the character and uh, valuing the right qualities on the inside more than just a pretty face. I think of Proverbs 11, a beautiful woman who rejects good sense is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. So having gold-like beauty and swine-like character is not going to be appealing in the long term. But did you find Helen physically attractive when you approached her about a relationship? I did. I did indeed, yes. Okay, and that was 18 plus years ago. You still find her attractive today? Yes. I, I mean, we both find each other um, far more physically attractive now than we did 18, 20 years ago, to be honest. Isn't that an interesting thing? But that that is how love works. When we love someone, that's going to create this greater closeness and attraction. And listeners, I didn't put those questions to Mike in advance, although he said just what I would have expected him to say. It's our own experience as well. Yeah, and Matthew, when I answered that, I, I answered sincerely, like absolutely from my heart. Um, and that's despite 18 years of, you know, some weight gains <laughs> on both of our parts. And, uh, you know, there's, there's birthmarks and there's all kinds of things, right? Just with the process of age and raising a family. And yet, and yet, we, we both do truly uh, see each other as far more physically attractive than, than we did before. And part of that is just because we're more emotionally and spiritually attracted mm -hmm. to each other. Mm -hmm. That is exactly how God has designed it. So keep that in mind, listeners, please. Now, I know that you can value the right qualities in a prospective partner. You can be emphasizing Christian character over a mere exterior attraction, and you yourself could be growing in Christian maturity, so it seems like you're ticking all the right boxes, and yet still you may end up disappointed. Maybe you express interest in someone and it isn't reciprocated, or maybe you do enter into a relationship and the relationship just doesn't work out for very long for whatever reason. Well, I'm sorry that you've experienced that disappointment, honestly. I know it's difficult, and I want to encourage you today to be patient and be aware that many godly people who are happily married today also experienced relationship breakups previously. And particularly in our culture's method to marriage, this isn't easy. This is the thing that's really weighs on my heart these days. I, I know it's not easy and I know it's stressful, but don't lose heart and don't stop valuing the right qualities. Appreciate that pastoral heart of yours coming out, Matthew. Um, and just to sum up where you've taken us so far, number one, you've said marriage is good. <clears throat> and then number two, uh, value the right qualities in a prospective partner. So what's number three? In determining whom you should marry, consider the counsel of others, or at least consider considering the counsel of others. I'm thinking of Proverbs 11:14, without guidance a people will fall. But with many counselors, there is deliverance, there's safety. Tremper Longman points out, one of the Proverbs themes is loving the right woman. He says Proverbs understands that a good wife or a good husband is one of the most important things in life. Well, it seems extremely unwise then that when we are still young and lacking some wisdom and perspective to approach one of the most important things in life without seeking some counsel from others. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, we're having to make the biggest decision almost, you know, one of the most life-changing decisions in the world. We're having to make it when we're, in a way, least qualified mm -hmm. to make it. So I think this takes us back to the issue you hinted at earlier about, you know, is there a place for parental input here? Yeah, and I'd like to know uh, how you think on this one too, Mike, but here's my point. Your parents love you and they know you very well. 
So if you have some interest in someone or if you've been approached by someone and before you get too emotionally attached and unable to process things objectively, consider talking to a parent about it. Now, I know this isn't realistic in some of our listeners' situations. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with your parents. Maybe your parents, maybe your parents don't know how to control their tongue to respect your privacy. But my suspicion is that for many of you, this could be a wise avenue of guidance for you to consider. Hey, Dad, Albert's texting me, and I think he's going to ask me out for coffee. What do you think of him? Do you know him? Should I be thinking about him or, or not risking getting his hopes up? Or... Mom, I've been praying about Agatha. What do you think about her? And in fact, if I could bring in Isaac and Rebecca again, that story in Genesis 24, beyond Abraham taking the initiative to find a wife for his son, as was common in their culture, I notice a more subtle reference to this principle later in that story. After Abraham's servant meets Rebecca, Rebecca runs home and tells her mother's household about these things. So Mike, do you think that's a, a principle that I'm drawing there from Genesis 24? Do you think that is realistic to apply in our culture today? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, just <clears throat> even stepping back and looking more generally at the book of Proverbs, um, it is often encouraging us to seek the input of others and, and, you know, where there are many counselors, there's safety, something to that effect. And so it just makes sense for us to turn to those we can trust. And, and parents, in most situations, I trust, are people that we can trust. You know, I, I think about it as my, for, from my own perspective as a father of four daughters, I want the absolute best for those four girls, mm -hmm. right? Um, I am, I have already been praying about this for mm -hmm. them. My eyes are open. I'm looking around, you know, I'm not trying to match make, not at all. So I think you're right, Matthew. And, and uh, for young listeners listening to this, maybe, maybe it helps to um, process in a fairly natural way uh, before things get too emotionally charged and so on, um, just to, to throw away a line there and uh, bring, bring parents in and see what their thoughts are. And it may not be apparent for some people. Maybe it's someone else you look up to and respect. I mean, I think what we're saying is biblically it is, it's great if it is apparent, but there could be someone else that knows you and they've got a spiritual perspective, someone. And to adult listeners, let me say, if someone comes to you asking about someone, remember that's a big step for them to approach you. It's a private and sensitive issue. Please respect their confidentiality. Mm -hmm. But back to our younger listeners. Proverbs understands that a good wife, a good husband is one of the most important things in life. So at least consider considering the input of others. Uh, marriage is good. And if you would like to be married and are wondering whom to marry, make sure you value the right qualities in a prospective partner. Consider the counsel of others. Also, remember what marriage is. Marriage is the joining of two people who both possess a selfish, sinful nature, and you're joining them in the closest of human relationships. It is a covenant between two fallen people. My point is there are going to be some challenges along the way, no matter whom you marry. So don't be thinking, oh, this woman comes from a perfect family. She's going to meet all my needs. Plus, she's absolutely gorgeous. I got it made if I get her. Her family may be great, but it's not a perfect family. And she isn't going to meet all your needs. She's not supposed to. And gorgeousness doesn't cover a multitude of sins. She will sin against you sometimes. He will sin against you sometimes. And you will sin against them. This relationship will require repentance and forgiveness from both of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so important. And, and I think one of the most important things we can do to prepare ourselves for dating and marriage is to learn daily to um, 
find uh, our security and our fulfillment in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because if we're if we're looking to a partner, uh, another human being, to to be our savior, we will actually crush that person. Mm-hmm. We will in 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 making marriage an idol, in making a, another person or a romantic relationship an idol. We will actually ruin the very thing that we are giving our hearts to, because there's no human being on earth that can, that can fill us in that way, that can meet all that need. And so, if if we can learn to grow into finding our security in Christ, that will be maybe the most important thing you can do to prepare for this. Um, we need to look to our spouse as our partner, as a wonderful gift from the Lord but not as our God, as our Savior, as the one who rescues us and, and completes us. So marriage is good, but it's only a picture. It's a picture of Christ and the church. Don't put the burden on your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't put that burden of being your Messiah on them to solve all your problems and shortcomings. Right. Thank you. And the other thing I've got in mind when I say remember what marriage is, let's look at marriage from a biblical standpoint, like Mike has just reminded us from Ephesians 5, I recognize most of us live in a very different cultural context than ancient biblical cultures, but think of what we know of biblical courtships and marriages. The Bible doesn't mandate the relationship starting and progressing like an idealistic romantic love story. I'm not saying there isn't romance in the Bible, there certainly is. Uh, There are stories in the Bible of, of attraction and pursuing a spouse. Think of Jacob for Rachel or Boaz and Ruth, that's a cool story. But the creator of marriage doesn't say it has to work that way. So don't think that every story has to be an idealistic being knocked off your feet by that one soulmate in the world story that tends to captivate us when we're young. In fact, as you age a little, if you aren't married but you really want to be, you may need to reconsider your approach. Marriage isn't a must. You are just as valuable to God in singlehood as you are in marriage. But if you aren't yet married and you really want to be, you may need to reconsider what you think is essential. So Matthew, does this jive with what you said earlier? I mean, earlier you said, like, we need to value the right qualities. And uh, are you lowering the bar on that now? Okay, so I don't mean to lower the bar on spiritual character. If you do that, you may learn that having what you don't want is worse than not having what you do want. But I'm thinking about some other things that you may have thought were vital And maybe a little more time and experience and maturity shows you perhaps those things aren't as essential as you first thought. So I'm not talking about character issues now, but, uh, well, maybe he doesn't need to be as strong and physically attractive as you first hoped. That physical attraction will grow anyhow in a good marriage, as we've indicated already. Maybe you thought, I want to raise a family on a farm, or at least one thing I know, I don't want to marry an urbanite, a city slicker, I know that. Well, maybe God has someone for you that is about to accept a great job in Toronto, or maybe he's got a real burden to evangelize Vancouver or Seattle or New York. And if you want to marry this person, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yeah, or maybe a woman is considering her age and thinking, you know, I'd like to be married and start a family right away, and here's a great guy, but he thinks we need to wait a few years and wait till we can afford something more than a tiny apartment. And maybe he's right, but I don't know. Okay, in that example, do you think that means they cannot get married? No, I don't think so. It's just something that they need to work through. Yeah, something to pray about and think about and talk about. And if you want to proceed in that relationship, one of you is going to have to willingly give up their preference. Hey, guess what? That's what marriage is at times for both people, not just for the wife. Marriage does involve some personal sacrifice. 
It may be more for one party than the other, but that's part of choosing to love each other. That's what it takes to do life together. You may choose to say, I don't want to give that up, or I think he or she is being more selfish than, I'm, than I expected. I'm not sure this bodes well for a future relationship. Well, that may be your prayerful con conclusion. That's okay. So I'm not trying to railroad anyone into an unhealthy relationship. You may choose to wait for God to bring you someone else, and if no one else approaches you, you can continue to trust God. But young men, there are most assuredly spiritual women of faith. They're not perfect women, but they are good women who are not yet claimed. And maybe your first choice didn't pan out. Maybe it looks to you like someone else has snatched her up. That doesn't mean the Lord can't yet give you someone else. In fact, Mike, tell me what you think about this if you have a thought. But I, I do wonder if our culture of uh, excessive individualism and our sense of our right to choose everything that I want in life according to my own personal preferences, I wonder if that is hindering some people from the goodness of God for them in marriage. Do you think there could be some truth to that? Yeah, like do you think um, sort of from a FOMO perspective, like a fear that if you just keep things going with that local person you brought you were raised with that that you might miss out on a far greater option in some other city unknown to you at this point yeah i think that's one application of that and then maybe maybe um we're we're so used to having just everything the way we want it life arranged around my desires that that the whole um business of needing to set aside some of my individual interests so that i can have a relationship with someone else maybe that just becomes really difficult yeah or just the idea of looking for Mr. or Miss Perfect. Okay, so beware of that. Let's remember then, number one, marriage is good because God created it to be the foundation of human civilization. God created that family unit to provide the blessings of companionship and support to picture Christ and his church. Marriage is good. And when contemplating a partner, we want A, to value the right qualities, B, Consider the counsel of others. See, remember what marriage is. This is a covenant commitment of love to your partner, even though you are both dealing with the selfish flesh, even if they didn't knock you off your feet that first time you met them. Lastly, I want you to think about what the objectives of the dating process should be. And that's obviously relevant to answering the question that you've called this episode, Who Should I Marry? Uh, our Dating with Discernment episode um, was with Justin Pratt, and he made clear that our approach to dating should not be like the world's approach. We're not to be conformed to the world. So we don't just take a casual approach to dating. Uh, this isn't a matter of just trying out some different girls and guys and seeing who's the most fun. We should be really concerned for our brothers and sisters' emotional well-being. And you've talked about enveloping this whole issue in prayer, obviously before we would ask anyone out on a date. All that being said, our cultural practice of a guy and a girl going out alone or even talking together to get to know one another, that is part of the process of assessing, is this someone I should marry? The time of dating or courtship is trying to confirm or, or ascertain that. Exactly. So, yeah, I realize I don't even need to say a whole lot on this point because we can just refer people back to that dating episode 131. But I do just want to encourage listeners again to, to talk about some big things, important things early on in your relationship, whether you are calling it dating or perhaps better just assessing whether you should be dating, ask questions that help you assess character and their attitude towards serving the Lord and their thoughts about church and family and career plans. Our emotions can get so entangled and fired up so easily. 
and then we feel a real strong emotional attachment and it can be difficult to make objective assessments. So talk about priorities and important things and pray about it and think about what the person is saying. Let me linger there for a moment. Praying and thinking are not enemies. They go together. If I could again reference Genesis 24 with Isaac and Rebecca, so fruitful in this area of life and study. Not only did Abraham's servant pray, but he then observed Rebecca and asked questions and thought about the situation. So God has given you emotions that help strengthen attachment, but he has also given you a brain so that you can intelligently evaluate and assess the individual. Yeah, so we can over-spiritualize this whole thing, right? And uh, the Lord gave us a mind for a reason, and, and he wants us to use it even in the task of trying to find a partner to marry. So Matthew, we've said a lot of things today, and if you were to summarize your answer to the title of this episode, Who Should I Marry? How would you boil it all down for us? Okay, I would say these things, seven things. That's a lot. Maybe that's not a summary, but I'm going to say seven things. Seven's the number of completion, so we'll go with seven. Remember that your own relationship with God is first and foremost, and we should be focused on growing in Christian maturity and emotional maturity and preparing for life responsibilities. You don't know for sure that you're going to be married in this life, but you know that as a Christian, you are part of the bride of Christ and developing in devotion to him is key. Secondly, Make the issue of whom you will marry a matter of prayer, because marriage is good and healthy, and so expecting to be married someday is normal, and therefore make it a matter of prayer because it is one of the most significant decisions you will ever make in life. Thirdly, as a Christian, only contemplate other Christians as prospective partners. Don't allow your emotions to get wrapped up in someone who you aren't confident is saved. Fourthly, when considering someone, Consider their character and Christian devotion above their fun personality or physical beauty. For those of you who are physically beautiful people, it's okay to be beautiful, by the way. You're not lesser for being beautiful. Plus, it, it is natural that you're going to be interested in someone that you're attracted to. But we've made the point that that attraction can grow. And while beauty is fleeting, the scriptures say a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. A wife of noble character is more precious than jewels and likewise a husband. Fifthly, sharing convictions about how you're going to serve the Lord and what church you're going to be a part of together, that's important. Think about it. Sixthly, sixthly, that's hard to say, consider the input of others, including potentially your parents. Seventhly, because seven is the number of completion, persevere in prayer and patience and don't lose heart. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for this. Um, seven points you've given us here to, to wrap this up with, and seven is the number of completion. So uh, let me ask you, Matthew, is this the final word that our listeners need to hear on this question of dating and so on? <laughs> I don't think I would like to authoritatively say that. I think I'd love to have a, another episode that you lead on this issue sometime down the road uh, to well, hear some more teaching. Well, we'll see about that. But of course, uh, I knew uh, what, what you were going to say in answer to that. No, this isn't the final word, but it's, it's a really helpful word. And uh, the point in me raising that question is, is that this is a thing that we need to talk about. I just come back to what you said earlier, Matthew, about it being really healthy and good for young people and parents to be talking together or young people and someone that they can look up to. So whether you're in the vehicle together or doing the dishes together, um, we hope that this podcast will, will create conversations and will be helpful to those of you who are prayerfully searching for someone that they can marry. May the Lord bless you all. Thanks for tuning in.